Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Movie Buffs podcast. For those new to the show, thank you for listening, and I've been on every single episode. For those of you who are not new to the show, stop lying. Thank you for joining us. If you like the show even this much, make sure you like it, subscribe it, share it, do all of the podcast things, follow us on YouTube. Uh, we're going to be doing a few different topics today, so check the link in the description for all of those time codes. My lovely, beautiful, talented co-host, <laughs> Tyler L.T. Gray Valencia, is going to be adding those. So Tyler, what's you up today? Not much. Excited for this episode, especially since it's such a trending episode in terms of the topic of the flash and uh, let's just say this episode is going to be a bit of a flash in the pan exactly (laughs) we're going to kick it off with some news so we're going to warm it up as always got to make sure that those muscles are feeling nice and ready for everything in this episode and got a lot of comic book movie stuff the first one being and you and i have already been joking about this in text messages and messages on instagram and it's craven the hunter new trailer released and um you've shared it with me but what is your initial reaction to share with the audience okay you know Tyler, as an entertainer myself, both on this podcast and in my <laughs> life, I I want every movie to be good. You know, I have high hopes for every single film, every single piece of art anyone's ever made. I have a lot of respect for everybody that works on it, below the line, above the line. It's an incredible art form. But I got mm-hmm. qualm. And my qualm <laughs> is that this movie exists. I was <laughs> positive it would never happen. And here we are, baby. They got two trailers. Aaron Taylor Johnson inexplicably powered now. He's got lion powers. Uh for anybody who doesn't know, Craven the Hunter just a, a Russian guy with an accent and a vest. Guess what he doesn't have in this movie? An accent or a vest. Uh, he doesn't have powers, but they gave it to him. Um, I don't know. It looks like a movie. It's got the same exact heroes, villains, watch, don't, bad guys, good guys, that Mobius, Morbius, and Venom had. Like I said, Mobius. You know I meant it. Um, but yeah, I just got qualms that this exists because I was proven wrong. That's my entire reaction. <laughs> I... I've been joking to myself, nobody else, because I think my wife has gotten past my randomness jokes. But with this one and watching it and then also seeing how it's this was trending on Twitter, just people being stoked for I'm like, do people just forget about the The last Sony movies? Uh, Do do they just not remember Venom? Do they not remember I haven't seen it yet, but Into the Spider-Verse, Beyond the Spider-Verse, apparently are amazing. Animated. I'm actually going to see that on on Friday. But <laughs> you know, I, I've actually, I've had qualms with that too, because starting in Spider-Man 1, which was 2001, 2002, mm-hmm. I have seen every single Spider-Man movie, which is now 13, the night before they came out. Beyond Spider-Verse, baby, I was busy. I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Now it's been three weeks, haven't seen it. I don't mm. know who I am anymore. I, I, can I had to see take that my happen. Spider-Man toy off of my desk because I just don't think I deserve it. <laughs> Just so mad about it. But I think, I personally think it's trending towards Morbius status. Just, um, I mean, I can see whenever we do these episodes and whenever I think about what your reaction would be, you are a comic book reader. So I believe you know more than the average fan that just tunes in. More than the average bear, for sure. Exactly. And with you watching a trailer or even going to it, there's that sense of, okay, I read the source material and it's just not what you grew up reading. Um, it's but- basically a new character. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I I understand what they're trying to do, but when it's a whole new character, it's a whole new thing. Like with Morbius, they just made it like a different thing. It's just weird. They're just slapping names on stuff. One thing I will give it credit for is that there's a red band trailer. It's going to be R-rated. 
And I think that's part of what they've missed in the magic of making these anti-hero or like villain movies is they're supposed to do bad things and it should be more violent and dark. Like they're selling them as being more violent and dark and mm-hmm. evil. So like give it the rating and the freedom to actually do that. So at very least that we see in the Red Band trailer, like he bites a guy's nose off and spits it at the camera. Like yeah. at least that's cool. Like that's something different. You yeah. know, like if we had seen Venom, whatever he ate somebody, if he would, if Carnage was like sucking the flesh off of people's bones and, the, you know, like doing crazy evil stuff, at least there's a point of differentiation where if they're just guys running around punching each other in the street, it could be Civil War. It could have been, you know, uh, Secret Invade. It could be any of these movies. Where mm-hmm. There's no differentiating factor. So at least maybe they're doing that in Craven. Yeah. But again, it is a whole new character at this point. Yeah, I think that you hit it on the nose there with a new character. The interesting thing for me, just for coincidence sake, was I was watching this behind the scenes um, YouTube video. I think it was either Batman uh, Forever or Batman and Robin. And the producers Wait. were talking about it. And one of them was saying how comic book movies that stay closest to the source material tend to do well. And Wait. I just thought it was interesting for that time, but also thinking about it now that that has been one of the issues that we've seen with people having uh, not showing up for certain comic book movies or mm-hmm. for some directors moving away from the source material that fans have been. So, OK, this is the character. This is their abilities. This is their storyline. They want to see it played out. But then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it almost gets Hollywood Ized, I'll call it that yeah. they just they just give them powers or they just change things <laughs> just for the sake of it. With I know that somebody listening probably think, oh well, Marvel they change the story all the time. I yeah. think that with them though, they've set it up. They have the base there in their own cinematic universe that it goes along with their storyline. That mm-hmm. okay, yeah, we did do we did vary from the source material, but it's staying within our storyline that we're creating yeah. on the screen. Okay. With DC, it's all over the place, and uh, I know I'm getting away from. I know that Craven is with Marvel, but with Sony Pictures, <laughs> this guy hates DC so bad. Get him, Snyder Bros. With with Sony Pictures, I mean, I I think that's literally the example of. It's all over yeah. the place it, with everything that they do, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. I think what, what Marvel has done when they adapted versus what maybe some other people have done is that they're not embarrassed of the source material. I think mm-hmm. that's where you really have that disconnect with fans when you want us to come see it because you have our favorite character, but you're too mm-hmm. embarrassed to give them the costume or the storylines or the powers or the fucking personality like they did with the first Deadpool. Like We're embarrassed to give them all of the things that make it popular. But you mm-hmm. still want us as fans to come see it. Yeah. And that's where that disconnect feels so disingenuous, like a money grab. But, you know, yeah. like, for instance, with uh, Miss Marvel, and a lot of people were, were upset that they changed her powers from stretchy powers to, like, the light-based one. But it's not because they're embarrassed of the powers. It's because they want her to not be the first person with stretchy powers because they're doing a Fantastic Four movie in two years. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be a reason Reed Richards is special. Yeah. And in the comic books, they were introduced inverted. Uh, so it's like when that embarrassment is there, it creates a disconnect and it feels like, like a money grab and nobody wants to be tricked. Yeah, you're right. And we don't, I, I want to see something I love. Not, I don't be tricked into buying an uh, inferior product. Agree. Agree. Moving on here with uh, something interesting when I was just doing some research for this episode and finding some interesting questions that uh, we could talk about. Gal Gadot was in an interview talking about Wonder Woman, and she kind of hinted at a possible return, which I think it it opens 
a huge can of worms because we've spent, I can't say we, people have spent, accounts on Twitter have spent hours and hours lamenting that she's gone and that James Gunn needs to be fired. And yet nothing has even come out from him. So I was going to say, it's a little unfair. He hasn't put, he has no say in anything that's happened. (laughs) Hasn't put anything out, but I think it also shows that we don't know anything about the future of DC. And, um, for our podcast sake, how would you bring Gal back if you thought this was, I know we did our sketch in the last episode, you know, who should say who should go, but how would you bring her back if, if you think this is the right move? Honestly, just act like nothing else ever happened. I mean, if you watch her solo movies, they're all, all ostensibly uh, set in a different universe from the team up movies anyway. Like <clears throat> in BBS, it said that she's been out of superheroing for 100 years, right? Since World War mm-hmm. One, And then in Wonder Woman 1984, there she is, 1984, superheroing in the world of man. Mm-hmm. And all of them kind of have contradictory timelines anyway. And, you know, her cameos and certain movies that we won't talk about in depth, like they don't necessarily line up. They don't all line up with what her storyline has been. So yeah. they're all multiverse anyway. Just say this is what Wonder Woman looks like in every universe until she's too old and they replace her with somebody else or something. I don't know. You know, they just act like it didn't happen. That's what they're going to do with most of them anyway. Yeah. I, that as that was something that I heard on a different podcast talking about the flash and the tone uh, in terms of across all the DC movies is that it's so different in every single uh, movie that <laughs> you watch exactly what you're saying that how is this the same character in different <laughs> movies when they all look different, they all have a different, um, they're all colored different. So uh, just say here she is, but have that consistency across the board. I think, um, yeah. as long as you say, okay, here she is, let's just be consistent with it. And I mean, you know, those stories well, come out these days with, uh, I know we keep talking more almost like comparing them both here, Marvel and DC, which will always happen. But you always hear about directors helping potentially write uh, a character that they've stuck with. I'll use James Gunn, for example, Star-Lord. And if they're appearing in different um, movies, helping out Mm -hmm. in that capacity, you hear those stories. The the characterization the same. Exactly. And that's something I, like you said, I think DC has missed that sorely because in some of them, she's a bloodthirsty maniac. Some of them, she's like this regular lady who's just upbeat and happy. Some of them, she hates all the people. It's just... And I, I don't lament a change in tone from movie to movie because speaking of distinguishing factors, they should have different tones, right? It should be based off the main character and the story. But each character that comes in and out of the movie needs to be consistent with who they are, their characterization. Mm-hmm. That's what we're missing. I think yeah. the biggest thing they should do, throw her in an entirely redesigned suit. And let's go. Maybe introduce Yara Flor, the uh, Latina Wonder Woman, as like mm-hmm. a younger Wonder Woman that could be like her protege and then you know, Gal Gadot is eventually going to be 55, 60 years old. I, know, I don't know how old she is now, but they plan on doing this whole, you know, the first series of movies is what, 10 years, they said. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, she will look older and one Roman is an ageless character. So they can have her go off to new adventure and introduce her protege, who is a very successful comic character that's pretty new mm-hmm. and uh, will tap a new market. Yeah. Good idea. Moving on here, and this is uh, kind of shifting gears here, but uh, still somebody that potentially may be in the MCU universe. Uh, I saw 
Emily Blunt talking about how she would love to do a, a sequel to Edge of Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I think everybody was surprised when that movie came out that it was really good. It was entertaining. Really it was good. fun to watch. And I mean, it's something that I've rewatched before and I just enjoy it. It's just a fun movie to watch. Thank this you. would be, you know, a great sequel. But do you have, and this is a very opened ended question here. Do you have any sequels that you'd like to see made in the next few years? Um, I'd like to see a Dread sequel to the Carl yes. Urban 2014 Dread movie. I tweet um, about that one all the time. <laughs> I would love to see a sequel to Kindergarten Cop, one <laughs> with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Maybe he's like, you know, uh, MFA cop. He's since he's older now, all the it's the same. Um, I'd love to see a sequel. I would actually really love to see the sequel that they're working on and came in and out of production a couple of times of the Drago family. Mm. It's been off from Creed uh, because when we saw Ivan and whatever his son's name, doesn't forget Victor in mm -hmm. Creed two, you know, that was an entirely different person. Yeah. And they hint that some stuff happened to him. Like after he lost that fight, he needs disgraced and kicked out of the country. I think it'd yeah. be a really interesting narrative. And uh, I think both those guys are, had really great performances and there'd be a fun sequel. Yeah. It's been off. That's a good one. <clears throat> um, Something interesting, and this, this isn't necessarily what I would like to see, but I heard on, on a podcast they were talking about the the Scrap Twins sequel with Arnold Pesci. It's not Pesci, um, and Devito, Devito. and um, <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Tracy Mor I think it said Tracy Morgan. Original one was Eddie Murphy, and, and you know I was just like, please no, like because I <laughs> I just watched Twins in the last month, and I was just Fuck like, you love that movie. It's good. Stay there. Like what they would do now. And I still, to this day, have not seen Dumb and Dumber 2. Uh, I just, oh, yeah, I no. just can't make myself do it. I think I've watched 15 minutes of the, um, like the, the prequel that they made. And I just, I stopped. I, I was like, I, I can't watch mm. this. this, is, this when is Harry met Lloyd. That's it. Yep. I just have no respect for that, <laughs> that movie. So I won't do it. You know what I really thought was going to happen? This was before Central Intelligence and before Jumanji when The Rock and Kevin Hart were talking about teaming up. That was my idea. I think I even pitched it on here that they should do a Twins remake. Mm. But That's obviously it didn't happen. And it might be a little late now, but I thought that would be fun. Yeah. That's They're closer in age to each other than DeVito is the Schwarzenegger is the Eddie Murphy. So, Yeah. <laughs> but um that's a good one well moving on here to the last piece of kind of news and um this is more of a again just talking about movies here kind of question sure. and movie web did this list of um movies that were made at the wrong time and hey. kind of clickbait i clicked on it and <laughs> i kind of wanted to see you took the bait i did because it was actually like the the thumbnail image that they had for it was a movie that i like the siege um, and I just want to see what was on the list. I mean, there yep. was Starship Troopers, Rounders, mm -hmm. Unbreakable, and of course, uh, the one that I mentioned, The Siege. And I mean, I like all those movies and I, I wanted, I wanted to see what their definition of wrong time was with it. Mm -hmm. But what's a movie that you think that was released at the wrong time? And Watchmen. you can, okay, a Watchmen. The Watchmen was uh, 12 years too early. If it had came out right after Endgame, right before the boys hit big, Watchmen hadn't come out when it did, they wouldn't have made the boys yet. If uh -huh. they had done it 10, 12, 13 years into the superhero boom, they have a deconstruction that looks back on the genre once the genre in film 
is better established, I think it would have been the hit that it could have been. Mm -hmm. uh, some people lament that it is too comic accurate, uh, save for the few changes. But I think it, you have a perfect piece of, of fiction written. Sometimes mm -hmm. all you got to do is just put it exactly on the screen. And I yeah. think had we had a movie like that come out now, if no one had heard of it, and it came out, like, holy crap, this is cool. Like We've seen all these different Batman come and go. We've seen Superman, and he's shaded, and he's cool, and have it out now. People hadn't already heard of it. You know, I think that would, around three years ago it would have been like the perfect time for something like that to come out. Yeah, I can agree with that. Just thinking about all the different superhero shows on every platform, <laughs> Netflix, Hulu, they all prime they all have superhero <laughs> yeah and all of them, even the ones that are attempted deconstructions only exist because of what watchmen did in was it 1983 84 mm -hmm. uh, um, and at that time superheroes were already 50 years established in comic books so all those tropes that it was deconstructing were very well tread very well established but mm -hmm. filmically it wasn't it wasn't there yet in the cinema so yeah. now to wait a decade in where it is Everybody has one to come out now. People go, oh, that is cool to see it from a different light. See them as people, not just these, you know, paragons of good. So I think that would be cool. And that's the end of that story. Nice. I, I honestly, when I wrote that question, I was like, I wonder if he's going to go there. I wonder if he's going to say Black Widow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too, but in the wrong direction. He came out, what, five years too late. <laughs> I I know we did an episode on it. I feel like that was like an episode that we did in this podcast that we just shit on a movie the whole time. And <laughs> it was just like not a movie. Yeah. Um, oh, another movie that came out at the wrong time was all Snyder, but uh, Batman versus Superman. They really rushed into that Dawn of Justice thing that mm -hmm. and the Justice League. They they were too trigger happy with that. And again, had you had time had they gone for Man of Steel, introduced Ben Affleck Batman in his own movie, still had that intro where he sees the bat, like he could have his own side story, the one they 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 push about him and Deathstroke, mm -hmm. and the whole time, the B plot line could be that Superman is still it. Still Henry Cavill, and he's preparing because he plans on taking that down, but he like Batman does, he has his things he has to take care of. Mm -hmm. And the end of Batman, the Batman solo movie with Ben Affleck and Deathstroke could have been him stealing that kryptonite. Hmm. do that right after man of steel bvs is huge and now it makes sense because you know all both guys but you never really got to know superman in man of steel because he's only superman for like the last 10 minutes yeah. you would have got to know batman by the third one now let's start throwing in remember that scene where he opened up all the files and it's cyborg and flash and wonder woman and mm -hmm. aquaman and you're like well this is so much and there's time travel and there's doomsday and it's like if you would spread that out even a little bit they were to not only built the characters better, but created some hype. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm going to take it a different way with, with that suggestion with, I just feel like Henry Cavill is an actor that, I mean, he already has the title, like the most unlucky actor in <laughs> Hollywood. And on, I already have my, uh, uh, my uh, issues with Batman versus Superman, but the fact that we never got a man of steel too, which we were, supposed to get or which they were told that well that wasn't to be it and then he, all these changes started happening i mean if you just made manny still too expand the character grow the character and get a better sense of his arc and like what he's trying to do and even his personality i feel like you don't even really know like what henry cavill superman is 
I mean, yeah. is it just you know, he's sad around? and you know Big that he was mad. Yeah. <laughs> Great chin, handsome as all hell, but I don't know anything yeah. about him. Yeah, if they had gone Man of Steel, Man of Steel 2, he's Batman, the Batman, just to show that he's going to fight Superman, then BVS, oh my gosh. More and investment. Then you do Justice League, and then everybody cares at the Superman fit because we've known yeah. him for, by the time you do BVS, it's four movies you've known him for. Now yeah. oh, you're sad he dies, not a guy you know for a movie and a half. Not, oh pulling, a da- God. not pulling a Dark Phoenix where. They expect us to be all sad about Jennifer Lawrence dying and her connection. She hasn't, with- cared, for, she hasn't <laughs> cared in like eight years at that point. She's like, hey, what's yeah. up? I'm I'm mystique, but I like to be like human colored or whatever. Um, when do I get paid? <laughs> exactly. Well, that's Gosh. it for our warm up here. We got a nice little sketch coming up. Feeling inspired by host Ron and Tyler? This episode of the Movie Buffs podcast is brought to you by the YouTube workout channel Time to Train Fitness. With all things YouTube, it's free. Jump into a bar class, crank out a cycling workout, or pump out a strength session. Everything you need to work out for free at home. Check out the description and subscribe today. You heard the promo about Time to Train Fitness and you're thinking, how do I get some dumbbells? There's really only two products that I recommend when it comes to at-home fitness, and one of those are the Core Home Fitness Adjustable Dumbbells. If you're already following the YouTube workouts, these are the dumbbells that I use, me, Tyler, and you've probably seen me adjust them between the weights super fast. Along with adjusting quickly, they go from five pounds to 50 pounds and feel great in the hands. Head to the link in the description and grab yourself a pair. You have the free workouts on YouTube and will now have the dumbbells to help you reach your fitness goals. Welcome back. We got a little sketch here <laughs> and this is something fun. And it's one of those ones that you know these characters, you know the names, and it's always fun to talk about who can potentially play them. So we're going to be guessing six iconic figures or castings. And so all of them. They're movies that have been made before. They're recasting them. They're over- one of them. Once we get to it, it's one of the ones that's always talked about, I feel like, on Twitter on a daily basis. And so we're going to start pretty low level here. And I I can think of the two last movies here, the Rock one. And then I don't know the name of the other guy that was Ellen in Lutz. That's him. <laughs> but Hercules. <laughs> if they're doing a, a Hercules remake, who would you like to see in it? So I know they're doing the live action Disney one, and this is a person that I've heard rumored, but I've never heard any confirmation. And it's who I would pick, and it's Zane Ethan Phillips. He's from Fire Island and a few other shows on Netflix. Gorgeous dude, shredded to the gills. Actually, he's not just shredded like Hollywood shredded. He's like mm-hmm. jacked, mm-hmm. beautiful guy, blonde. He'd be perfect Hercules. Look him up. Look him up. Beautiful. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Zane, Zane, if you're listening, you're gorgeous man. I will, <laughs> I will actually pick who the person that this article was meant that was actually written about. I stole this a sketch from something, okay. and it was all. <laughs> I'll just say it was about Chris Hemsworth. It was like six roles that Chris Hemsworth <laughs> could be cast in, and <laughs> I will. I, oh I'm actually going to pick him for this one, wow. not just because just you sent me. Uh, probably because that random reel that you sent me of him working out recently. Um, oh my gosh. But I think. Crimson Worth fits right into it. That do you it, want to explain what the reel was about? I do not. Health and fitness is his game these days. <laughs> he's even got his limitless show. Yeah, I think he's that, spit, he would be a good fit. He's spitting this in your mouth, Tyler. 
<laughs> what? Well, who else we got? Next, next character here, and I don't know anything <laughs> about this content, this IP. Uh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, when I saw Phantom, I thought you meant the Phantom, the one that Billy Zane played, and I was going to say recasting with Billy Zane again. <laughs> uh, Phantom of the Opera. I know nothing about it. I know there was a movie made with uh, Emmy Rothson, where she was like eighteen, and yeah. Gerard Butler was like yeah. thirty-six. I was like, and what? The apparently, f- Gerard Butler that? can't sing, so let's use him again. <laughs> that was one of the ones that when I looked it up, I was like, Gerard Butler is in this, and yeah, dude. I'm not a big musical person, and um, that's one of the Neither things. Neither was that, he, apparently. <laughs> that's one of the things that my wife loves. I mean, there's only sure. one musical that I feel like I do like, and it's The Greatest Showman. And yeah. uh, but other than that, if I was, let me talk about <laughs> again where I got this um, this this sketch. You can just I, take credit, dude. I couldn't see Chris, Chris Hemsworth being the Phantom of the uh, Menace, but that's just me. Phantom of the Menace, yeah, I mean either. Especially because that's opera. not anything. I know Phantom of the Menace, <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. I was like, why did I say that? Menace. Because episode one. Yeah. Well, let's get back to one that you and I both could talk about, and that's James Bond. Yeah. Uh, one I've heard a name uh, I've heard thrown out a lot. There's you know the usual suspects that say Idris Elba, who's fifty. They say Henry Cavill, who we've talked about this before. He's too big. Yep. He's and just over. not a sneaky man. Yeah. He's also you know. 39 gonna be he'd be 42 but i'm making this movie out at least mm-hmm. um but when i've heard a lot and i think works is aaron taylor johnson from craven uh he's our age he's wow. in his early 30s he's fit but he's not like henry cavill broad as a house where you're like that guy's not a spy that guy's a jack the shit yeah. um he's very fit guy he's handsome he's british um and he's young enough that if you cast him now i think he'd be like 36 by the time they put the first one out you got a mm-hmm. cool 14 15 years before you know he's daniel craig's age during his last one, you get four or five movies out. That's not a bad one. I haven't heard that one, but that that's a right. good one. I mean, before I get to my suggestion for it, who I would pick, um, you know, with Henry Cavill, I recently read a quote about, um, there was rumors before like that he wasn't in shape enough. And the director <laughs> actually, the director of Christina Royale came out and said, that no, that wasn't the case. His, his body looked great. He's super handsome. That was not the <laughs> Yo, case yeah. at all. If he was the choice until yeah. they found Daniel Craig. That it once did. Daniel Craig screen tested and did all the went through the whole process, they're like, "That's him. That's James Bond right there." And that's so, how you know Daniel Craig did such a good job because he looks nothing like he's supposed to. Yeah, but he just had the had the place for it. And also, I've heard that that you know when Casino Royale came out, was that two thousand eight nine? It's been ago. So Henry Cavill would have been like twenty three years old. They've yeah. been pretty young, like yeah borderline too young you know like how would this guy have time to have finished all of his training and done any missions it's like yeah it, uh, that's... a name i've also heard a lot is uh taron edgerton hmm. it... british i say tom holland dude make a little tiny little tiny i'd give it to and i've said this one in different episodes is richard madden I mean, I okay. kind of went back on it. He's in that, that show on Amazon, The Citadel, and he has an American accent. Oh, yeah. It just makes me so mad. And The show you love. For multiple reasons, I don't like it. But if you watch The Bodyguard on Netflix, it's, it'll honestly make you think, okay, he can be James Bond. Yeah, and he, I mean, 
King of the North. If you watch Game of Thrones, he's a very lovable character, and I think he can fit right into it. He is, I believe, Scottish, which... Oh, I mean, shit. They don't have... Oh, no. <laughs> Wasn't uh, Sean Connery Scottish, too? Yeah. <laughs> but, and um, uh, fucking, what's his name? Pierce Brosnan's Irish. <laughs> yes, but he's somebody that has the acting chops, has the look, he has the, the sex appeal, all those things Ooh, and he, in that genre. <laughs> he already does stuff in that genre. Again, if he didn't do the Citadel, where I where I was so mad to see him in it uh, with an American <laughs> accent, but that'd be my pick. Okay, cool. Ne- next one here, and I I honestly think without even saying without saying it, I think that you and I will have the same pick. <laughs> Indiana Jones. Don't. Don't. Okay, never Don't. mind. That's my pick. Who's your pick? Wow. I'd honestly <laughs> go with Chris Pratt. Oh, okay. I might let's see with Chris Pratt again, he's getting kind of old. Mm-hmm. He's what forty four now? Something like that, forty five. And they've said that they will not do it without Harrison Ford. So what I think they're gonna do a very ghoulish thing. Harrison Ford will pass away one day. And five years after that there will be an one all day. CGI. It will be an all CGI Indiana Jones movie with a twenty-seven-year-old <laughs> Indiana Jones, but I don't think that—that's some characters. You know, you just you gotta leave it. I feel like it's maybe five <laughs> to eight years ago. I saw this like fan art and I had like Bradley Cooper in the the outfit, which I thought that was another interesting pick. Getting I can see that old, though. So. I I can agree <laughs> leaving it. I mean, mostly I like. Unlike a lot of these characters where, you know, people played them for a long period of time, whatever, you're in there. He's been playing Indiana Jones as well in 1982. Like, it's an incredible amount of time. Yeah. He's obviously been in every movie. They created a character. He was the guy. It's just a different thing. It's not a translation of an IP where, like, you know, James Bond, some people played him from all others, but he existed before. Like, he exists outside of of, um, cinematic media. Hercules, Phantom of the Opera, all of them. But Indiana Jones has only ever existed as him in a meaningful way. So it's kind of weird. I don't know. It feels different. I could see it too, just from the the fan backlash. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw this with Solo and mm-hmm. people, that's not my Solo kind of stuff. And uh, he is, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. And yeah, he just is. <laughs> I think if somebody did take it, that's why I was saying Chris Pratt, that he's just so, he is very like likable. Yeah. And that a lot of people from different, um, I'll say beliefs like him, that he could potentially fit that. Speaking of lovable guys, let's go with somebody in the franchise. Kiki Kwan comes back as yeah. short round, right? He has a little adventure. We know he can still kick ass. We know he's charismatic. We know he's lovable with all shit. He comes back and he has a kid, right? Because Kiki Kwan just turned 60. Mm-hmm. So he could have a kid who's 30 years old. You cast a young, lovable actor. And again, now you're opening yourself up to these new markets, a new age demographic, and you can keep it going, get a guy who's like 30 years old, mm-hmm. and you can make it more, like you can go down the road. And we know Kiyu Kwan, I don't know what his character was like, a short round, what's happened to him. Maybe he became a badass fucking explorer. We know yeah. the real guy knows how to fight. Yeah. You can turn it into more of an action adventure movie instead of the swashbuckling one. And you could add more fight scenes and just go a whole different way with it and call it like, you know, short round an Indiana Jones adventure and like keep the IP going without like forgetting about what happened. That's a good one. 
Look at that. Oh, coming thanks, up with Disney. I'll take my check in the mail. I just say coming up with spinoffs all the time. <laughs> That's Ron's thing. Last one here, Robin Hood. And Ding. we'll just forget the last Robin Hood that came out. I made the mistake of watching it on a plane and <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was watching. Like It was honestly like <laughs> Michael Bay in like Robin Hood times, which I just couldn't get it. But no, that's dope. I'd Ooh. say let's either let's either cast Kevin Costner, a cartoon Fox, Russell Crowe, or Taron <laughs> Edgerton. All of them work. None of them have been it before. <laughs> Robin Hood. I feel like it's a a piece of material that it's been away for so long on the shelf. I mean, yeah. the last one that came out, I can't even tell you when it came out, but it was so bad that people have, I think, forgotten about it that you <laughs> could put whoever the actor is of the time into it let's do uh daniel kuya he's british who he's an excellent actor daniel kuya he's from um 13 million credits a black mirror episode he's from get yeah, out black mirror. he's from he's from fucking just came out um the ufo one jordan peele did oh up nope up what the hell did I... get out he was in get out he's the lead in get out I know what was his about. latest one called? Uh, Holy shit. I just watched it. I think it's not. Uh, we're drawing a blank on it. But I'm going to look I, it up. Tyler, keep going. <laughs> I'm sure that somebody listening to this, probably Aaron, will text me. Screaming at us right now. No, he'll be. I, each time that he listens to the episode, he usually get a text from him like for something that I forget or that. Nope. Called nope. Nope. There we go. Whew. So I get what you said up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> nope. But, nope. uh, okay. That's a good one. So that has been our <laughs> little sketch here. Let's get ready for the main set. If you've been a fan of our podcast, you've probably already heard me, Tyler, one of your hosts talk about the Naboso insoles. If you are ever wondering about, Oh, what are insoles? How do they help my feet? Are they really useful? I got to tell you that I've been wearing these duo insoles for probably a year and a half now, and I think they're game changers. If you sit at a desk, if you are on your feet, so basically anybody or anybody in the world, they can really help with your health. If you ever have foot pain or if you have any type of issues with your feet, these can be a game changer for you. Hopefully, you take my word on it, you head to the link in the description, you buy yourself a pair, and you come back and you share it that, oh, I actually bought those insoles and they actually do work. You know, that'd be something that we'd love to hear, love to see, because that means that you're working on your health. That's it for the promo break. Let's get back to the episode. What's up, everybody? I just flew back down from outer space to talk about our main set today, and that is The Flash. If you skipped ahead using the time codes, welcome. If you didn't, I hope you enjoyed all the other random bullshit I said, and there's more to come, baby. So, The Flash is a 2023 film directed by Andy Muschietti. The Flash is a 2023 film directed by Andy Muschietti, cast Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller, Michael Shannon, Michael Keaton, and Sasha Kaye. Uh, and the storyline is, it's the what third season of The Flash. It's, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's a Flashpoint. We've seen it on the Flash TV series. We've seen an animated movie. Seen it in the comic books. Um, it just it is what it is. I there are other Flash stories, but anyway. So when Barry Allen decides to use his powers to go back and save his mother, who was killed, and exonerate his father, who was in jail for the murder of his mother, he returns to nearly present day 
to find that he's created a world without metahumans, or so it seems, and the impending uh, invasion of the Kryptonians led by General Zod is coming. What's he going to do? He's going to try to beat him. That's it. Tyler, how do you think about the movie? We're going to actually kick off our questions and our little bit of discussion here, talking about a little bit of the drama and just going to get it out of the way. <laughs> we'll start the questions with the drama, the negative stuff in terms of the right it being labeled as a flop. I mean, it was just at the time of this recording, opening weekend just happened. And I felt like right when Sunday hit, people already, this is a flop. All the videos yeah. are coming out. This is a flop billions of tweets this is a flop and i i don't know if i can pinpoint one thing so that might answer my part of it but do you think it was the drama with the reboot james gunn and peter saffron coming as mm-hmm. miller's off-screen issues or do you think it's maybe the track history with dc if you had to pick one which one would you think you know i gotta say uh, before, I, without giving too much away about our review going down the line, I think Annie Muschietti deserved a lot of praise because yeah. every, almost every possible thing that could ruin a movie production, he had to deal with. You know, you have your lead actor, Ezra Miller, going through what sixty-year just committing as many crimes as they can think of. <laughs> you have this movie going in and out of production since two thousand fourteen, right? You're like he's like the fifth director to come on been rewritten multiple times it's changed tone it's changed universes Mm -hmm. uh in the time it was in production dc has had like four or five movies in a row come out with decreasing box office returns with decreasing critical responses and then you have an internet fan base that seems to be hundreds of billions of people large but they don't show up to to to, you know to pay for these movies and we've talked about the role for black adam where Mm -hmm. are these stands and so it seems like they have a fan base that is very vocal, negative and positively online, but doesn't actually translate into butts in the seats. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, I think Andy Muschietti did a really good job of wrangling this into, I think, the best possible product. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I know there are some issues also people have said, you know, with the screen caps. So I, I've told you the same thing. Like some of these look crazy, uh, but it's not on the director. It's on the way that production is designed and yeah. these poor VFX artists. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Tyler and I discussed this via Instagram DMs earlier. The way that <laughs> <laughs> BFX houses get the contracts, unlike the drivers, craft union, uh, teamsters, lighting, everybody else, they're all unionized, right? So they have their wages. It's all set. You have to deal with the union. The way the BFX houses work, it's kind of like with a lot of digital things in society as a whole, where the regulations and rules have not caught up to technology. So the way they get their contracts that they bid on it. So say for the flash, there's 2,200 VFX shots, right? Each studio puts in a bid for, okay, I can do a thousand of them for $2 million, right? Sounds easy enough. But when you break that down, right, there's obviously taxes. There are hundreds of people in each of these houses and each Mm -hmm. shot is credited as a shot. It doesn't matter if I'm doing a thousand shots that are all just making the flash suit look tighter because they have a practical one on set. We want it to glow. So you just put, you know, it's not easy. But in the grand scheme of things, way easier than, say, Tyler was the person who got the bid and has to make there be two Ezra Millers in every single shot and line up faces and CGI new faces and change the lighting and change the eye lines and make sure Michael Keaton's another right thing and then add smoke and fire. And that could take 40 hours for one frame, whereas mm-hmm. mine is like 40 hours for the entire first 100 shot. Yeah. So 
it's a shit show. Um, and the director has very little say in that because it's the studio that decides budget allocation and a lot of stuff. Anyway, so I think there is every single possible reason for things to go wrong. And I think that the cast and the crew deserve credit for putting together, spoiler, movie I enjoyed. Yeah. I think it was really fun. And uh, it was really comic booky in a fun way, but it does have problems which we'll get into after. Yeah. I would honestly, just off of going off of Twitter, which is not the best source to base anything <laughs> off of, um, I was surprised how many people were talking about Ezra Miller with it. And I they, think, um, you know, obviously I saw it. That's why I'm talking about it. But I was surprised that people were pointing to him as the issue. But I think it speaks to the average fan, the or less than average fan that goes because it's a new movie. Maybe they haven't seen the other DC movies. They're maybe not even on Twitter or social media. They don't know any of the drama that's going on. And but maybe they heard about Ezra Miller and all the things that he's done because it maybe made regular news or the, the news that they're watching and it's on there. And like, okay, I'm not going to support it for that. And I think that that's the audience that sometimes. Uh, the ones that are not involved in any of the stuff that we talk about in podcasts, that they're not on Twitter, they're not on any of that kind of stuff. And with Ezra and how they have portrayed themselves, it's been one of those things that we can't say any of it's good. And so I think that it was one of those things that... uh, we, it's hard to talk about because we don't want to get into it. We don't want to talk into the legal issues. But I do think that sitting back on it, letting some time pass, reading what's going out on the internet, that it has made an impact on the opening weekend. But we'll see if, if that changes in the second week, third yeah. week, and potentially more people going out and seeing it. Yeah, and I've heard criticism of some people like saying that, you know, it's one thing for actors to have breakdowns and do illegal stuff. It happens all the time. Yeah. Right. There are a lot of actors that we know and love in the MCU and other things that that have done pretty horrible things. Yeah. Um, somebody who's open about it and has made a big turnaround in life is Robert Andrew. He's like a repeat felon. He's yeah. been on parole, like, you know, and he's changed his life. And, I, you know, people deserve redemption. But a criticism that I've seen other people talking about the movie have is that, yes, Ezra Miller should be allowed redemption, but that Warner Brothers and DC as a studio never once said hey this isn't cool they said yes we hope Ezra gets help but they yeah. kind of tried to sweep it under the rug and I get it because you don't want to you know besmirch your lead actor but it's like it's one of those things like is this how the studio wants things run they're like yeah. Ezra Miller keeps committing crimes cancel Batgirl like what is going on and I think yeah. for people who know the drama it is hard to look past yeah agreed. and for maybe people who don't they're thinking about seeing the movie they go to google it and you see an article about some of these crimes you're like oh I'll stream that next month or whatever. Like I'll, I'll find a way to watch this another for free. Yeah. I think that is a genuine problem. Yeah. Well, segueing here to something positive that I know that I know that we're both going to say it's a, <laughs> a good one. And, um, going into it, I already heard a non-spoiler review about, about Batman and with, uh, it was Charlie, my man, Charlie on YouTube um. talking about how, Andy Muschietti, how he depicts Batman. He was very sure. impressed. Well, he enjoyed it. And I thought that all the Batmans, I'm not going to say, 
Oh, actually, we can say we can give the spoiler. Um, <laughs> spoiler warning: If you didn't know that, that we're getting into the movie now, we're gonna be talking mm-hmm. about spoilers, all the deep stuff. So, if okay, you before we go seen full it, spoiler, did you like it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. I actually did so like it. All right. So our non-spoiler review is: we both liked it. Would recommend it. It's fine. Yeah. And now, spoiler. Spoilers. <laughs> but there's with three different Batmans in it. I mean, four. Adam. Oh, (laughs) I guess. But um, with three actors that are (laughs) actually in it, I mean, you see different versions of it. And I honestly thought that the beginning with Ben Affleck and the opening sequence, that was one of the best Batman sequences I've seen in a long time. That's like right when I saw, I was like, (laughs) why haven't we seen Batman like that? And right. uh, But I have one qualm with that. Go ahead. Is that. He knows what the assignment is for his leave, right? He said, it's so-and-so's son, do it, blah, blah, blah. Why does he have his armor on? I, I would have loved to have seen the base suit without the additional armor because he's fighting thugs. He doesn't need the extra armor on the suit. Second thing, I didn't like the bulldog cowl. Third thing, all of the stunts Ben Affleck was never on set for any of the stunt work. So the uh-huh. mouth replacement is a little bit obvious. Force being, Ben Affleck <laughs> spoiled this entire scene in his interview on Spartless two months ago. Fifth thing, I don't like that they reused the the lasso of truth gag from the bad Justice League. Sixth yeah. thing, I did enjoy the scene. It was really fun. <laughs> did you think that, I mean, this is kind of mushing together one of the other questions in here talking about the opening sequence. Did you think that there was any tonal shifts between some of the parts when it, in it with, uh, you said, the lasso of truth, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman showing up, and the rest of it? Yeah, like I, the Wonder Woman inclusion, again, I wish it wasn't spoiled. And just that joke itself, I get it, but it felt out of place because this Batman, I don't know, I wanted to see him just be himself. But I really did love his Bruce Waiting. He's just like, hey, man, my life's fucked up, but yeah, if it wasn't fucked up, I would be somebody else, and you got to be cool about it. And then he's yeah. proven right. Uh, but I really liked all the Batmans. I didn't like Michael Keaton hiding in a cupboard and throwing flip-flops at people, but hey. He's a main. He's always been a maniac. Yeah. Can we go back to Ben Affleck <laughs> for a second on that podcast that he was talking about how he just figured out how to play it? I will <laughs> say that I agree that when he was being Bruce Wayne and talking with uh, the Flash, that I honestly got the sense, oh, yeah, this is a good portrayal of him. Yeah. And I didn't get that in the other ones. Yeah, I think the biggest difference is that like. You know, when you can tell like a singer or an artist, whatever they're pushing to get something out. Mm-hmm. I feel like this one, he it did come with the most ease. And I think part of that is his life has been a bit of tumult since they started for this, right? Mm-hmm. He went through a divorce. He had to go, he went through rehab. He had a bunch mm-hmm. of problems in and out of his life. The movies didn't do well. People were berating him online. And I feel like maybe in personally, he's at a point where now he can produce that performance without pushing it. And it felt like it came like, with ease you know yeah. like it just he was just being instead of like you know acting as much yeah one uh, small thing before we move on to the next question one of the things i like about michael keaton's batman was i feel like he had an outfit for everything when he built like that that whole rig to try and give the flash's powers back he had like this jumpsuit on like who has like just like <laughs> this so cool. el- electrician jumpsuit just yeah. sitting around that okay oh what are we doing right now i'm gonna go put that outfit on Outfit yeah. for when everything. Was, on the computer, he had his little ascot, like a little yeah. key. He's like, I'm on the computer. <laughs> I 
the biggest miss in that whole uh, Keaton thing for me was when they open up the vault and you see some of the best fucking bat suits ever made mm-hmm. in live action, and he doesn't put one of those on. Mm. I thought it they're really cool if for like the Supergirl scene, he has a black one that's infiltration suit, and then we're like, we're gonna go fight Zod. He has that big gray one with all like armor up the chest and the goggles. We're been sick. Or he pulls out another one that's like a giant neck suit. That I think that was a missed opportunity to have one that like he's in the plane and as it crashes it deploys like mm-hmm. an Iron Man suit. And he like tries to fight the Kryptonian and like it's still not enough. That would have been sick as fuck. Well, It'd be so, I'll time travel and add that. So continuing on with this Batman talk here, what do you think about Muschietti uh, and his appointment for the future Batmans? I I'm excited. Honestly, like I said, I think he put together, whether you love it or hate it, the best possible version of this product that he could with all of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I think given better circumstances and more control over like, you know, James Gunn has even said, like, this is about having creators create the thing they want to do and we'll work it to make it make sense. It's not about this is what has to happen. So to give him a little more control, give him more time and like, hopefully less disasters and distractions, I'm really excited. Because his Batman stuff was so solid, every single yeah. one. Yeah, I was the actually. The fights were great. Yeah, and I but, thought it was really fun to see when Keaton was like, like you know, when you see in the commercial that like, he can't move like that, but in the movie he goes, "This is gonna hurt," and then he yeah. goes and fights, and then like he's limping the rest of the movie. He's all cut up. Yeah, they showed the cuts, all that kind of stuff. I thought the fight yeah. scenes with him, there were some of the best Batman fight scenes I've seen. Just the, whatever fighting style that was, whatever <laughs> mix of fighting styles that was. I dug it for a Batman. It's like that Batman was watching Ben Affleck in the warehouse scene. I was like, I can do some of that. Yeah. That, I think that one until proven otherwise is still number one when I know you like that. When scene. I, until that's beaten. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to top that when he just kills all, I know he kills all those guys, but oh my, he just wrecks their shit. It's so cool. All I right. know you've sent me reels on it. I, that was actually the first Mushietti movie. I'm a that Batman I've... guy, as you can tell. That was the first Muschietti movie that I've seen. I haven't seen the It's, and I've only well, I, heard good things. So I was very surprised. I was excited part, to see something with him. With him, yeah. It Part One, I could say, is phenomenal. Really fun. Really well constructed. Well designed horror movie. It Part Two, I think we've talked about it a little bit. Kind of falls down only because when they're adults facing their fears, it's less scary. Like it's mm-hmm. less in like some of the guys like. It's Isaiah Mustafa from the um, Old Spice commercials. Like, this guy's huge and jacked, and like, I'm not scared about him fighting it. But when it's a little kid, it's more emotionally investing. Anyway, back to what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> with it, <laughs> uh, I mean, with this movie coming out, um, you know, we, we already start to hear all the things that happened with production. And then one of the interesting ones I thought was about the end scene. Now, I already mentioned that there's three Batmans, and <laughs> if you somehow have stayed off social media. Um, you don't know that George Clooney shows up at the end. Everyone's the least favorite Batman. And <laughs> <laughs> from what has come out, though, that the, there's been or there was mm-hmm. three different end scenes or courtroom scenes filmed. And with the with one of them, I mean, I think Henry Cavill, uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman was there. And another one, it was Michael Keaton's and... Uh, Sasha Calais was there. And then the one that they finally landed on was George Clooney showing up randomly at the end and uh, the Flash asking Iris West out for a date. But 
it was something that I was actually surprised from the fact that I thought there was going to be something more to set up potentially what's coming, but I don't think that's going to be coming out for at least another, <laughs> what, two years that we'll find out yeah. anything. Um, well, do you think that they picked the right ending? Well, personally, I would have liked the one with Sasha Kaye and Michael Keaton at the end. Yeah. Uh, because I just loved, I honestly loved her as Supergirl. Mm-hmm. I would love to see her get a chance to play a Supergirl with more to do, but I thought she was amazing. I, she's love her. Obviously, yeah, we we'll love get, Michael Keaton. We'll be talking to her in a sec. <laughs> I think for what needs to happen, the one they pick is the only one that makes sense because even the casual moviegoer will remember that, yeah, but they'll know that, okay, this isn't, this post credit scene isn't a hint of what's next. It's just a Easter egg for the ending because mm-hmm. they're restarting everything. If they had had Michael Keaton and Sasha Kaye, then there is a promise implicit that these characters will be continuing, right? But we have yet to cast the new Batman. We have yet to announce who's going to play the Supergirl in that uh, girl tomorrow. They haven't cast the new Superman yet. So to have anything set in stone would be kind of like what happened with Black Adam. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, hey, you promised this and it's gone now. Same reason why they probably removed Henry and Gal because you've entered this new universe, right? Where they don't know who any of the other characters are. But we know for sure this Batman will not continue. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's why they they only used Aquaman in the post post because we don't know if that scene with Aquaman is Ezra has gone back and come forward again mm. right he could have done any number of things at any time right he can yeah. do it instantaneously so it was that I understand why they did it it's not my favorite yeah that that was where mine's mine started going too in terms of how are they didn't pick him quote-unquote fixing Good. the universe uh-huh. or what what's in the be the ultimate universe that he settles on how are they going to explain all those things because I don't think there's been any news about George Clooney returning in the future. I don't know if fans would be particularly uh, happy if he was the version it, for a Batman Beyond. Yeah, um, it did suck that that got spoiled a long time ago too. I didn't. Um, there were scoops all over the internet. Really, I got that spoiled for me like November, whenever going, they filmed it. You go, you go on much deeper sites than I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it was like scoops on it, and then one of the dead giveaways was George Clooney was doing press for I think it was like Fool's Paradise. That would be he did with. Julia Roberts, mm-hmm. and he kept talking about that. Mm. And everyone was like, there's only one reason he talked about that because there's a movie coming out where he could play Batman one more time. Mm. And so it was kind of like implied by him and spoiled by the internet, maybe through that implication. But yeah, you know, that's, that's good. Um, I think let's pick up right where you talked about with uh, Sasha yeah. Kelly's uh, Supergirl. And I mean, for me, when I, without her, even saying it in the movie, the whole discussion about hope and what the symbol stands for, I got that sense right off the bat. And I thought it was great that they mentioned it. And I'm guessing this was uh, whoever wrote it or even the director making sure that just covering all bases. I feel like, and I know that that's been the one of the big knocks on Henry Cavill's Superman is that if that's what the symbol stands for, why don't I ever feel like there's hope for a better future? Um, what did you think about her portrayal? Um, I, I really liked it. I love that you did get the sense that she was an adult-ish when she came to Earth because mm-hmm. she does have a quicker turnaround than you would expect for someone locked that cage. But you got to remember, when they sent them to Earth, the Kryptonians knew what Earth's atmosphere was. Remember? Because um, Jor-El has the recording that says, 
Earth's atmosphere will give you power and all this stuff. So she knew what was going to happen. So mm-hmm. it makes a little more sense why she has a better handle on it. She came out as an adult. Maybe in her pod, there was like, she was watching, you know, information like this is what's going to happen. I love, like, she got a lot of emotion across. You saw a lot of hope. Yeah. And she got a lot of uh, story conveyed with very little time. Yeah. And I think her suit was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, haircut was cool as hell. I mean, it was a cool haircut. <laughs> um, yeah. And I really hope she gets another shot. And again, for me, it's something I hint on, hit on all the time, but I always love some Latino representation. And Sasha Calle is a Colombiana. Um, and it was really cool. This is her first movie. Mm-hmm. She, I was reading her wiki and she joined the cast of things young and arrest or something like that in like 2019. And there was like immediately cast in this movie. So mm-hmm. it's just really cool for this like young actor. Um, she's like, gets to represent a community, gets to like have a dream job and crushes it. It's always yeah. fun to see. So I love yeah. it. Yeah. I think I heard her say about, uh, you know, being cast that growing up, she had, I think a poster of Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. And the fact yeah. that she's in her own Supergirl outfit, <laughs> being a superhero, it's a dream come true. And, um, you know, one of the pieces to kind of segue and expand on here, and this was got pretty, I think, spread across a lot of accounts, was a interview I think James Gunn did for, I think it was Vanity Fair. And he was talking about his favorite comic book movies of all time. I'm pretty sure I watched it. Or I did watch it. And he talked about... Uh, the selection of Christopher Reeves and the, the process that Richard Donner went through with finding an actor because at the time he, Reeves wasn't the obvious choice. Uh, I think he was more of a theatrical um, actor that he did. He wasn't on, on screen as much. And so um, his selection had a little bit of uh, negative sur- negativity surrounding it. But I think what or what Gunn talked about mostly was that his ability to portray that hope, that innocence in with two distinct characters, whether it's <laughs> Clark Kent or Superman and have that um, what made it made for it to be a great casting and something that they're going through right now with selecting the future Superman is who <laughs> has that ability to uh, display hope, display um, the ability to to reach the audience that way so i thought it was interesting <clears throat> that came out but i mean with all the castings they're talking about who knows who's going to settle on but going back to uh, to sasha i think that the fact that she is kind of an unknown and just how you said mm-hmm. it's really only been on the young and the restless i think that is almost in her favor that there's mm-hmm. no uh, when you see her you're, you're almost shocked because you're like who is who is she i want to know more about her and yeah. she's not in it as much. Just like, okay, is she coming mm-hmm. back soon? Like, I, I want to see her be Supergirl more. <laughs> yeah, and there's no baggage with it. You know, she's just a fresh slate. And like you said, when you see her, you see Supergirl. <clears throat> you don't see, you know, maybe a bunch of the crimes. Yeah, yeah. What, um, getting to now, favorite scene. What's your favorite scene in the movie? Huh. Honestly, the stuff with, present day Barry going back and interacting with his mom. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just, it was, they were really beautiful scenes. Like for all yeah. the, uh, the hubbub and all of the controversy with Esther Miller, they really did do a great job. I like that. They addressed that younger flash fucking annoyed. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I just thought that their performance was great across the board. And I loved his Barry's interactions with, with 
nor I thought there yeah. were beautiful scenes, especially at the end when he has to like make that choice. Like if I don't let this happen, the whole world is destroyed. It was, it was some beautiful moments. Yeah. I, I thought that that's something that you haven't really gotten that much in DC movies is that emotional feel. And <laughs> I, I've told probably you told also my wife, also Aaron, our, our big fan, how I'm Shout not the biggest Aaron. fan, <laughs> but the biggest fan of Ezra Miller. And <laughs> I, I don't know if it's that they annoy me or that, uh, I'm just not the, a big fan of the type of movies that or his their portrayal in different movies. But I thought that that scene was impressive. Um, Going on the market, right? Yeah. yeah. The beginning, it he's kind of, or they, they're, they're kind of quirky. It's more joking. That's and you're a little annoyed with, I mean, I feel like some of the jokes, they didn't hit for me at the beginning, but yeah. once they get to the market, the final end scene in the market where he's taking the can out and he's rearranging the cans and that whole scene right there is beautiful with the music. You mm. you felt the emotion. Of yeah. That was his purpose. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to save his mom. And now he has to take that away in order to fix the universe for the greater good. Which, yeah. again, you don't get in a lot of DC movies. You don't get the emotional mm -hmm. factors of it. I think when um, James Gunn was talking about this movie, how he like really loved it, I think that's why. Because that's the kind of thing that James Gunn, has always said is, is present and is the core of every one of his movies is that it has to be about a character emotional journey and yeah. the development and to have that for the flash but i do get why they've said that you know they would like to bring back ezra as the flash because all this groundwork now is gone if there's a whole different base attached and i get yeah. why they didn't do <clears> the grant gust and switch at the end it's like because the, the the context changes once you don't you know the different person but yeah yeah, I, I did love to see uh, my guy Nicholas Prant, Nicholas Kim Coppola be a Superman. I wonder if that uh, confused regular people. <laughs> yeah, I I think if anybody has not seen that documentary, I think it might be on Showtime. Um, Man, the death of Superman lives. Yeah, might be on Showtime. Maybe it's on YouTube. Check it out. You'll know why that scene's in there. I know that my <laughs> wife was confused about it. Um, my They've favorite got, Nicolas Cage has got a Superman and that's strong to look like him now in the current comic book round of Batman Superman World's Finest that just came out. Cool. <laughs> My favorite scene was probably the build up, the team up, them coming together, like, yeah, let's do this, oh. flying in the Batwing, and then mm -hmm. just the, the fight sequence there, and uh, Barry just figuring out how to fight, use his powers. Um, use the powers. It was it was fun um, it, I, with the music selection. I mean, those are elements that I feel like a lot of people like of Gun, James Gunn movies. The uh, how music is intertwined throughout it. So it was fun. Um, but talking now with changes, I think that that's one of the interesting things. And I feel like you always have a good perspective on how movies potentially change with scripts. And this is one, if anybody is new to our podcast, this is one that Ron's been joking about for years. Back when our podcast <laughs> used to be really bad and we used to sit in front of each other in a hot room and just, <laughs> just talk between about- work right, just Between work out. Just sweaty as hell. And Ron even then was joking about how this movie's never coming out. This is at least six years ago I'm talking about. And so the story's changed, directors have changed, <laughs> a lot of stuff has changed. How do you think that this one changed from 
story-wise with when James Gunn came on board and how they had to switch things up for this plan mm-hmm. reboot. What do you think? I think the biggest change is what we talked about with that post-credits or that mm-hmm. or not the post-credits, but the ending scene where yeah. it's like, okay, if we want, you know, obviously they're banking on this movie making a lot of money because that's what you mm-hmm. always hope for. You want your money, your movie to be successful. So like if this movie is successful, having seen it, they're like we'd love to keep Ezra in because the performances were so strong and hopefully they turn their life around. You know, but anyway, so mm-hmm. I'm sure that that was a last minute thing. We have these options. We have to go with the one that is the least like set in stone because we have so much other things coming. You know, Blue Beetle comes out later this year and he's confirmed to be the first DCU character that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. But that movie is separate enough that it's not technically a DCU movie, they've said. But the first proper DCU live action movie comes out in, what was it, 2025? It's May, and that's going to be Superman Legacy. Mm-hmm. So, like, we we have a year and a half of iterations and planning. We want to pick the one that's open ended. I think that was probably the biggest change, just removing anything that would um, contradict what's about to start coming out. Yeah. The, the one that I heard from the guy that I I watch a lot, Charlie, was with the opening sequence with um, the way that a movie opens. He is basically running all the way to Gotham City. And that part of it, I guess there was a longer opening fight sequence with Batman, Wonder Woman. And they basically scrapped that just to get to the action sooner. And yeah. now you only get just quick cameos, um, quick-ish cameos, especially from Wonder Woman. But... Um, I, if I didn't know about it, if I wouldn't have heard it in a YouTube video, I mean, it didn't really, I, I don't sure. think it would really affect me. Uh, yeah, I think they didn't really the, feel like it was lacking. Like yeah. they cut out and you're like, what did it make sense? How did they get there? <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was a fun way to show his, um, his powers. And <laughs> especially because, <laughs> and I, I know you opened up this part talking about already with the visual effects of it, but Going into it, already hearing oh, people t- shitting on, um, you know, the visual effects of it and ha- just him getting right into it and running. It doesn't even, I don't think it affects the movie at all. But yeah. anyways, let's now wrap it up talking about recommendations. Do you think that well, if somebody hasn't seen it, go see it, wait, what's uh, your thoughts on this? I would say go check it out. It definitely is... Um it's fun. It's entertaining. There are some good heartfelt moments. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna. It's not the most visually, um, you know, aesthetically pleasing movie in the whole world. Mm-hmm. But I think it was a good time. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it, and I will be seeing it again nice. once I see Spider Verse. <laughs> nice. I, uh, you know, I think that this is uh, a movie that I think people should see in the theaters. That's my big thing. Um, I know I'm not the average person that only goes to the movies a few times. Uh, you and I go uh, probably what three to four times a month, and you know that's possible, ab- yeah, <laughs> above average. And um, I like the experience of going to movies, and I think that this one should be viewed in a theater, yeah. uh, especially my favorite Dolby Cinema. Um, just get the full <laughs> experience of it and uh, check it out. I think there's a lot of stuff that you'll hear online about right. it, um, a lot of negative stuff, but hopefully. You go out and see it, make the decision for yourself. Yep. But great. Let, yeah. Let's wrap it up here. Get to our cool down and I'm going to be kicking it off with our tip or workout tip as uh, Ron and I always joke. We are actually 
in the fitness industry. That is our day-to-day jobs. There we go. And my big one has always been for this year, finding activities that you enjoy, find activities that you enjoy so that hopefully you will continue them, live an active lifestyle. And I think that a lot of times we get set on things have to be sets. They have to be reps. They have to be using dumbbells, weights, but activity and fitness and exercise can be anything. If you're riding your bike, you could be walking. It could be a plethora of things that don't involve any type of weights. Find those activities that get you moving, get you moving to multiple planes and get you sweating just a little bit, get that heart rate just elevated just a tad and start being consistent with it. And you'll start to see those results. Ronald, can you wrap us up here? Well, thank you so much, everybody, for spending your afternoon with us. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us and we appreciate it. Uh, Be sure to like and subscribe and share this. Uh, There'll be some clips posted on Instagram and Twitter. Share those if you think it was interesting or if you think we're annoying, share it. What a bunch of idiots. Either way, it helps or it hurts us, whatever you want to happen. Uh, But follow us, like and subscribe. Thank you so much. Uh, And tune in next week when we'll be recording from inside an active ball. Okay. Bye. (laughs)